that you're going to heaven uh, when this life is over. If not, remember that God is a God who saves no matter what you've been through. And uh, this morning we're really going to have a salvation message. And if you're, if you're here and you are saved, praise the Lord. How are you living for Christ today? If you're here and you've never been saved, I pray that you listen to the words of, uh, of Luke this morning and how he challenges our heart. I've, I've entitled this message this morning, I've Been Changed. Tonight, we're going to look at the thought of how God doesn't change, but how I have been changed this morning, amen? Uh, we're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture, but let me just give you some recap of where we were last week. So last week, the command was given, let's go to the other side. There was a sense of surety that this, this was going to happen, a completed action. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, let's go over to the other side. And y'all remember what happened? They got in the boat. What did Jesus do? I remember he went to sleep, right? He fell asleep. The rocking of the boat put him to sleep. But uh, those, those, the rocking of the boat seemed to turn a little bit turmoil. And uh, now the, the disciples are concerned they're in great peril. They said that their life is in jeopardy. Jesus gets up. He rebukes the wind and the waves, and they obey him. So last week, we looked at how, how the Lord is the Lord over nature. Amen? Uh, but today, we're going to look how God is the Lord over the supernatural as well. That God is the God over the supernatural as well. So today, we shift from the natural to the supernatural. From the tempestuous sea to the tormented soul is what we're going to see. The timing of this event demonstrates Christ's power over everything. That he was Lord over nature, Lord over the supernatural. We saw a wild sea. Today we're going to see a wild man. And we look at these two scenarios. We come to the conclusion that both of these scenarios are untamable, humanly speaking. That we cannot do anything about these situations. If a storm arises, we just have to weather the storm. If uh, somebody is possessed by devils or things like that, we don't have power over the devils as Christ does. Now, we can speak in Jesus' name and we can help in that matters, but we do not have the power, humanly speaking, to do anything about these two scenarios. But Jesus does. Jesus does. And so, as you see in our text, in verse 26, they're coming into the country of the Gadarenes. This is the country of the Gentiles. They, uh, they occupy most of this land there, the Gentiles do. And notice what happens in verse 26 through 29. Jesus meets a lunatic. And I mean that in the very nicest way that I could. He, he met a lunatic. Uh, notice with me, verse 26, they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And he went forth to land. There met him out of the city a certain man who had devils long time. And do what? He wear no clothes. He was a crazy man, only because he was possessed by devils. Neither abode he in any house but in the tombs. Another fact that he's crazy. He's living in the tombs. But when he saw Jesus... He cried out and fell down before him with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? I beseech you, torment me not. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him. And 
he was kept bound with chains and, and in fetters, and he broke the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on this passage of Scripture. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today as we see what you did in this event. Lord, this was something that actually transpired. Lord, it took place. Lord, I pray that you would help us to know whatever we're facing today, it's not too big for you. And Lord, I pray that we would give our lives to you wholly today. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So this meeting with the lunatic, they arrived in this country. And who were they welcomed by? Their welcoming committee who wore no clothes. How many of you, if you were coming to a new city uh, and you got out of the car and somebody met you in the raw, how many of you would be thinking, I need to get my car and lock the doors? Or is it just me? I mean, or if you, if you carry, you might be reaching for that Second Amendment, right? You might be trying to reach for that because something's going on. This guy just came up to your car and he's got no clothes on. That would kind of scare me. But Jesus wasn't scared about this. But this is, a, this is an event that multiple you'll find multiple times in the gospel. Matthew mentions that there were two of them, and there were two of them. Luke emphasizes one of them because I think he had the greatest problem. So Luke emphasizes this one, but Matthew mentions that there are two of them, and they were so violent that road travel was impossible. I mean, they would make everybody's life miserable who were traveling up and down the road. Luke adds that the man who was possessed, he was from the city. In other words, he lived in the city, but he don't live there anymore. All right, so, and then uh, Mark tells us that he was a man that could not be bound, and he could be heard screaming all night. Now, I don't know about you, but this doesn't seem like a pleasant situation. This seems like a man who is out of control, or what we would call a, a lunatic. He was just crazy but in in this event you find this the divine confronts the demonic the divine confronts the demonic we have a clash of two worlds who do you think is going to win jesus christ right because he's he's the god of all now i want you to notice something interesting here in our passage of scripture he says when they went forth to land there met him out, uh, out of the city a certain man which had devils long time and he wear no clothes neither bowed in any house but in the tombs so you get the picture that jesus is in the tombs which would be against jewish customs and ceremonial ceremonialism and so uh jewish ceremonialism would prevent anybody from going to this man for two reasons he was in the tombs and he was around pigs now if you were a jew you don't want anything to do with pigs you you were forbidden to uh, eat pig and uh, things like that. So uh, to be around pigs and to be in the tomb, you would declare yourself unclean. And so Jesus is found within both the tombs and the pigs. The tombs and the pigs. And so he was there, but why was he there? He did not care about ceremonialism. He did not care about rituals and customs. He cared about one person. One person. The demon-possessed man at Gadara. He wanted to find out this man. It was no accident that Jesus came to where he was. It's no accident that Jesus wanted to meet him. This man was out of his mind. He had no clothes on, and he dwelled in the tombs. You and I would say he's not in his right mind. 
and he wasn't in his right mind because he was possessed with a devil. But this man was not always like this. He dwelled in the city. He used to be in his right mind. He used to wear clothes. But he was reduced to a low estate because of satanic power. Don't ever underestimate the power that Satan does have. Let's not be fooled this morning that Satan has power. The Bible's clear that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. You and I are not enemies. No, no flesh and blood is enemy or should be enemy. We wrestle against the devil and his demons. That's who we wrestle against. They want us to, to stop our mission for serving Jesus Christ. Uh, this man right here, he was being used by Satan. He had not known Jesus. He was a Gentile who was lost and he needed a Savior. That's why Jesus went over to the other side. That's why Jesus knew he was going to meet this man and he was going to heal this man. This maniac had lived in misery year after year and made his home in the tombs instead of his house. He was in a desperate place. Would you all agree with that this morning? He was desperate desperate I mean he was just in a lot of pain and a lot of agony he was in a desperate place and he needed someone to come that could help him and Jesus came along at the time he was out of his mind but he still knew who Jesus was even though he had not maybe known Jesus he knows who he is notice he says verse 28 when he saw Jesus he cried out and fell down what did he do he fell down before him with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God, most high? He declares right here, Jesus, you are the Son of God, most high. He declares his deity. He stands before Jesus. He bows down before him. He recognizes Jesus as the Son of God. They came and fell down. He came down and fell and cried with a loud voice. And he says, Why are you come here? And this, this word, why are you here? What have we to do with thee? It literally means, why are you interfering with my business? He still submitted himself to Christ, but he was saying, why are you interfering with my business? What business did he have? He wanted to be in this man. The devils believe in God. Everybody know that? The devils believe in God, and they tremble. They're scared to death of God. They recognized who God was, and they submitted to God's authority. They had no chance with Jesus in the room. No one could ever do this with this man. You know, we live in a day and age where people are becoming more brazen, more brazen than demons themselves, right? People will lift their hands and shake their fists to God Almighty, won't they? They'll say, God, we don't care about you. We don't, we don't believe in you. And humans, we are shaking our fists at God and saying, we don't believe who you are. But the devils know who God is. Amen? The devils believe in God and they tremble. Our society has grown to the place where Jesus is no longer respected, no longer loved, and no longer needed. Amen? He, he's like, we've reached that point in our society where no one cares about Jesus. If the demons had to bow down to Jesus, what do you think we're going to have to do one day? What do you think we're going to have to do? We're going to have to bow down. If the demons themselves had to bow down, then we know everyone else will bow down as well. 
what a sad place this man is. He's hopeless. He's helpless. He's in a lot of turmoil. And the devils showed humility to the Creator. They were on their ground laying out before Jesus Christ. They fell prostrate to Him. And they cried out. We don't really know exactly what that, that means in our life, I guess, because I don't know if I've ever heard a cry like this, but it literally means to cry, to croak, or to shriek as a raven. Can you just imagine what this man is doing when he sees Jesus? He cries out. He shrieks like a raven. It's probably a loud, piercing cry. And he's asking Jesus, why are you here interfering with our business? Why are you getting involved in a matter that is not your own? They were humbled at the feet of Jesus because they had to be in subjection to him, but they asked him why he's interfering. Why he's interfering. They felt that Jesus was interrupting their business. I think society's getting that way too. We feel like Jesus is interrupting our business, right? Why do you want me, Jesus? Leave me alone, Jesus. I don't need you, Jesus. Why are you trying to interrupt my business, Jesus? We've got to that point in our society. You know, no one could control the man or the demons. They were commanded to come out on several occasions, bound with chains and fetters, but he broke them. No one could tame this man. This man who became a maniac needed a miracle from a Messiah. Amen? He needed someone to intervene in his life. He was willing to go to the Gentiles. For how many people? How many people's in our story? You with me this morning? One person. Jesus went for one person. You cannot tell me that Jesus doesn't care about one person this morning. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He cares for you. He loves you. You can put a circle around your, your, your life and you say, All right, Lord, I know you love me. I honestly believe if I were to have been the only person on the earth, He would have done it for me because He loves me that much. He loves you that much. He loved this man that much that he did not want him to live in such torments. Perhaps you're here today. You need a touch from the Savior. You never placed your faith and trust in Him. Can I tell you, He's here for you this morning. Simply submit to Him. Uh, the demons had to. We have a choice today. The demons, just they had to. They, they, they did what Christ told them to do. They had to be in subjection to Him. This morning, I pray that you choose Christ. He, he, this maniac, this lunatic, he needed a touch from Jesus. So there's that meeting with the lunatic. Then there's a meeting in verse 30 through 33 with, with legion. Who's legion? Many, many demons. Many, many demons. Notice what it says in verse 30. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is your name? What is thy name, right? Jesus knew who he was. What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. And they besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. I want you to underline that, circle it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. The words, into the deep. And there was, there a herd of many swine feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter in. And he suffered them. And then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine. And the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake, and they were choked. They were choked. This meeting with legion. Where does the word legion come from? 
Uh, it comes from the word, Latin word, legio, and it's a Roman military unit that describes about 6,000 foot soldiers. And so we could estimate, we don't know, we just know that there were many. The word literally means thousands. And so there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of demons in this man. Now you think one demon would be quite enough, but to have thousands and thousands and thousands of demons living inside of you had to be terrible. But God was able to deliver this man. They besought him that he would not send them into the deep. This is a very interesting word. It is the Greek word abusos. Abusos. And it literally means, it's where we get uh, our different words you'll find in Romans 10, 7. You'll find it also in seven times in the book of Revelation. Uh, but the demons were in terror of the abusos or the abyss. Where's the abyss? It's where the demons and the devil will spend an eternity. Lake of fire. It's where they'll forever be tormented. The devil said this. Don't send us into the abusos. Don't send us into the abyss, but send us into the swine and let us go to the bottom of the sea. Don't send us to the place of judgment because we're fearful of that place. John Phillips said, From that dread place, Satan will summon the soul of the Antichrist after his death to give him a copycat resurrection. Satan himself will be incarcerated in this fearful abyss during the Lord's millennial reign. The demons are all too aware of this prison and were in terror to go there. They were scared to death. The demons looked at Jesus and said, Don't send us into the place of punishment right now. Send us into these pigs. They were asking Jesus basically to be merciful unto them. To be merciful unto them. And Jesus, he asked Jesus, would they permit them to go into the swine? Jesus permitted them to do so. They had no choice of what they were going to do. They said, God, if it's okay, will you send us into the swine, not into the abyss? They had no choice. So Jesus permits them. He allows them to go into the swine, the pigs. They had no power whatsoever. That ought to be encouraging to you and me today. That the devil doesn't have power over your life. It's time to kick the devil in the teeth in the name of Jesus and say, get thee behind me, Satan. Submit yourselves to the Lord, and then you can resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The devil has no power over Christ. Amen? If you're saved this morning, you ought to be excited about that because he cannot get to you. He cannot steal what Jesus has given you. If the devils are terrified of the abyss and the abusos, should humans be afraid of the abusos as well? Absolutely. There's a video that came out two or three years ago, but it just came out again after the State of the Union address. It was aired on commercial. A man by the name of Ron Reagan Jr. This is Ron, Ronald Reagan's son. Ron Reagan Jr. is an unashamed, unapologetic uh, uh, atheist. And he's, he's doing a commercial for uh, Freedom From Religion Foundation. And he's encouraging everybody to get involved with this Freedom From Religion 
uh, foundation. He's saying that the church has pervaded uh, or got into all kinds of uh, the government and things like that. And it's time for the church to get out. That, it, that church and state need to be separated as our forefathers intended them, which was never in the Constitution, by the way, uh, just so y'all can know that. Uh, but he, he's saying this, I, I want all this to take place, so join the Freedom From Religion movement, the organization where atheists and agnostics all join together. And he ends the commercial this way. And if, he was, if it was me, I'd be scared to death to say these words. He says, I am Ron Reagan, and I am not afraid to die and go to hell. That's what he said. A man that, a president that was, was known for uh, his Christian values and things. And this, this son of his now shakes his fist at God and says, I'm not afraid to go to hell. But the devils, the demons, they said, don't send me there. If the devils are scared of hell, shouldn't you and I be scared as well? I'm not scared because I'm not going there. Praise God. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that is the place. Hell is a place of torments. It's not a place where we're going to catch up with old friends. It's not a place where we're going to live life up. It's not a place that we're going to party at day in and day night. It's a place that the demons don't even want to go. And if that doesn't terrify you this morning, I don't know what will. And I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you, people in our society are not afraid of hell anymore. We're not afraid of God anymore. We don't believe in a hell Today, all you have to do is turn from your wicked ways, repent and follow Jesus Christ. Why would you not? If the devils are afraid to go there, God don't want you going there. It was created for the devil and his demons, not for humans. But humans will go there because they reject Jesus Christ. Man, what a shocking words we see in our text that the devils are begging God, don't send us into the abusos. But humans will say, I'm not scared of the abusos. I'm not scared of the abyss. Send me there. It's going to be a great time. Oh, how they are mistaken. Oh, how they are uh, going away from Jesus Christ. So they, Jesus, uh, he, he, he lets them go out into these pigs. And it's estimated that there are 2,000 pigs on that hillside. And some, someone said this, that that was a lot of pork down the drain. I know me and you. We, we like pork. I like pork. I'm a pork fan. Bacon on anything makes everything better. I'm glad we're not under the Jewish laws of I can't eat bacon. Uh, I, love, I love bacon. I love ham. I love pork shoulder. I love ribs. I love all that stuff that comes from a pig. You know what I'm talking about. It's good stuff. And here, 2,000 of them go down the hill and they die. Why the pigs? Why, why, why the pigs? Because demons desire a host. They can't do anything without a host. That to have them enter the pigs also demonstrated that they came out of one person and into another living thing. So everyone around them could actually see that this, this demon, even though they couldn't see the demon, but they saw the results of him, he left this man and went into the swine, and the swine all died. So we see the meeting with the lunatic, a meeting with, le with legion. But here's what I want you to focus on this, this morning. There's a meeting with liberty. Now this man is free. In verse 34 through 39, 
read with me. He says, and when they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man of whom the devils were departed, sitting at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. What were they afraid of? They were more afraid of what Jesus just did than the man who had demons. They also saw that, told them by what means he was possessed of, the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, for they were taken with great fear. And he went into a ship and returned back again. Now the man of, out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus has done unto them. This meeting with liberty. Verse 34 tells us that everybody was running in the wrong direction. Instead of running to him who could save them and help them, they run away from him. They, they were more for, fearful of what they saw than they were of the man who was possessed with a devil. When they got back, they saw this former lunatic liberated. What was he doing? He was sitting in his right mind, and praise God he had clothes on. <laughs> but that was a great day. Well, that done seen Fred way too many times. Like they didn't want to see Fred. And now, now Fred, I don't know if this is his name. It's probably not. I'm just giving them a name so you can have a name with him. But Fred is sitting there at the feet of Jesus in his right mind, and he's got clothes on. What happened? i tell you what happened. Jesus liberated him. If you've been saved today, you've been liberated. You've been set free. Amen. You have been set free. You're not bound to sin and anything else anymore. You have been set free. In verse 35, they found this man who the devils that were departed out of, sitting and clothed in his right mind. Uh, man, this man probably hasn't experienced this kind of peace in a long time. But here he's sitting there and he's got rest. Isn't that what Jesus tells us? To come unto him, all who are heavy laden, and he will give us rest. This man has rest. There was a man who wrote a piece on this. His name's John Butler, and he, and he titled it uh, Changed by Christ. And He gives four things that this man went through, and if you're following along in the app, you can see these things. He found him, first of all, resting, sitting. This was a new posture for the man. Before Christ cast out the demons, the man was constantly roaming about the tombs and mountains and wilderness day and night, and this speaks of the rest that comes to the soul when Christ comes in. He found this man also respectful, sitting at the feet of Jesus. Before the man was delivered of the demons, he wanted nothing to do with Christ. Get away from us. What are you here to do with us? But he wanted nothing to do with Christ. But after Christ changed his life, the man now is greatly respecting Christ. He finds this man robed, clothed. He was clothed. Before Christ changed this man's life, he wore no clothes. The robing of this man not only pictures the righteous robe of salvation, but it pictures the improvement in morals of a, of a modest dress. He wasn't going around dressed like he used to be dressed with nothing on. Now he is robed, and he's rational. He's in his right mind. He's in his right mind. Satan would have folk think that to follow Christ is crazy, unintelligent, and silly. But the very opposite is true. Those who follow Satan are controlled by his demons. Those are the ones who act crazy. Verse 37, 
is one of the saddest verses I think I've ever seen. Everybody had what they needed in Jesus. They saw the change, but they said, get away from us. We don't want anything to do with you. The whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about besought him to depart from them, uh, for they were taken with great fear. Get away from me, Jesus. We don't want anything to do with you. Would you agree with me that that's pretty sad? That's some sad verses to read. May it never be said that we're more interesting, interested in other things. You know, they were more disappointed that they lost the 2,000 swine than they were that this man's life was changed. They were. They were so worried about losing those 2,000 pigs that they didn't even care about that man's whose life was changed. May, we never, may, may it never be said of us that we are uh, more interested in the things that we lose in following Christ or more interested in things that we've lost than someone who comes to Jesus Christ. When someone gets saved, it's a miracle, amen? It's a miracle, and only God can do something like that. These men could not see what Christ had done. They could see what Christ has done, and they wanted nothing to do with him. But that's not how the former lunatic failed. He was respectful to Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice how this passage ends. See, when Christ gets a hold of your life, you want to tell other people about him. You are changed. And so he's given a commission. He goes to the ship and he asks Jesus, can I come with you and travel with you? Jesus says, no, i got a mission for you. I want you to go back to your own city, the place you probably haven't been to in a long time, and I want you to tell everybody the good things that God's done for you. How do I tell somebody about Jesus? You tell them the good things that Christ has done for you. Amen. Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. What took place in the life of this former lunatic is what happens when Jesus comes into our life as well. He changes us, he clothes us, and he commissions us. He changes us. When we are saved, we are new creatures in Christ. Amen? We are new creatures. He puts on the robe of righteousness upon us. And God sees that robe of righteousness. And then he gives us a job to do. Go to your city and tell somebody what God's done in your life. Seems pretty simple, right? I've been changed this morning. If you've been changed, you have been commissioned. You have been commissioned. I have been commissioned to just simply go to our city and tell somebody how good God's been to you. If I was to say, everybody raise your hand. And I've done this before. Everybody, you don't have to raise your hand. But if I was to say, raise your hand if God's been good to you, I know that hands will go up all around the place. When's the last time you told somebody about it? When's the last time you said, hey, let me tell you what God's done in my life. Oh, yes, it was 20, 30 years ago, but I never got over it. Let me tell you what God's done in my life. Are you being a witness for him today? You've been changed. You've been changed. Tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But let me ask you this. Do you know him today? I could be speaking to one or two people, three people, whoever is here this morning. You've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And as we discussed at the very early onset of this, uh, this service today about, about Russia and things going on there, the Lord could be coming back. Why chance it? Why? Why say, no, God, I'll take care of it another day? If the Holy Spirit is, is pricking your heart right now, 
and you're feeling like, man, that is me. I've got to get something taken care of. I've got to, get, I've got to trust in Jesus Christ. That's the Holy Spirit drawing you unto himself and saying, you need me today. Don't reject him. Don't walk out of these doors and say, I'll take care of it some other time. Don't risk an eternity in hell over pride today on this earth. Don't let pride stand in your way, but recognize who Jesus is. Give your life to him. If you don't know that you would die today, if you died today that you would be in heaven, won't you let me come? Won't you come and let me take a Bible or somebody take a Bible and show you how you can know 100% sure that you're going to heaven today? Why don't you just talk to somebody about it? Won't you just give your life to him? I don't want to see anybody in this room standing at the great white throne judgment. I don't. Because everybody in this room has been given opportunity after opportunity to trust in Christ. But I believe we're going to see the, the great white throne judgment. I believe we're going to see when God casts out those people who rejected him into the lake of fire. And I believe we will have tears. And is that moment when all that's done, when all the judgment's done, that's when God's going to wipe away our tears. I believe we're going to look at those people that we could have impacted and told somebody about Jesus, and we did not, and we see them, and we make eye contact with them, and we know we failed them. Today, don't risk that. Let someone take a Bible and show you how to be saved, how you can be a new creature, how you can be clothed in the righteousness of God, and how you can fulfill the commission to go tell everybody what God's done for you. If we're honest today, we would say, there's work that I need to do. There's work I need to do in my life. I need to be a better witness. I need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Maybe that's you today. Would you get it right? If you don't know him, I'm begging you. I'm begging you, begging you, begging you. Give your life to Christ today. Give your life to him. It is... It's not worth the risk. And I think if anybody in here is saved, they would definitely say it's not worth the risk. If you could go talk to the rich man who lifted up his eyes in torments right now, you know what he would tell you? Get right. Isn't that what he told Moses and God? He said, send someone to tell my brothers. Don't let them come here. Do we love our people that we're around? Do we love our friends? Do we love our family? Do we want to see them in heaven? Are we okay with them going to hell? We got to understand God's given us that responsibility. I know this is a hard message, but it's one we all need to hear this morning. And if you're here, you lost, please give your life to Him. If you're not living like Christ wants you to live, start living for Him. And when He comes, may we be found faithfully serving Him. Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, I know that this was a heavy subject matter. Lord, you, in your word, you, you have preached about hell more than you did heaven. And Lord, in the text that we see today, the devils were fearful of the abusos, the abyss, the place of torment, the place of torture. God, I pray for lost family members, lost friends. Lord, I pray for those who have shaken their fist at you and declared, I'm not afraid of a place called hell. Lord, if there's somebody here today, they don't know you as Lord and Savior. 
God, I pray that you would arrest their heart right now. That you would show compassion on them. That you would show them what they need. And today, Lord, would be the day of salvation. Help us not to chance it. Help us not to put it off for another day. But help us to give our life to you. And Lord, if we failed in being a witness in our own city, help us to do better. Forgive us where we failed you. Make us more like you today.